Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast. A show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson with my new co-host, Corey Miller, former NFL player, former South Carolina Gamecock, and now the Director of Ministry Outreach here at Unpacking It Ministries. And we are fired up to be with you here on this Monday following a wild weekend in sports. November, it was Saturday, and I was getting bombarded with NBA free agency, and so we got to get into that today. And then some, some very intriguing matchups yesterday in the NFL. We had a, a big game postponed, uh, multiple games in college football. One in particular I want to talk about today between Clemson and Florida State that has uh, some controversy coming out of that one. Uh, the Chiefs Raiders last night, uh, Sunday Night Football, was very intriguing. And, and the Raiders are actually getting a lot of love today despite the loss. The Panthers shut out the Lions and and much, much more. But, Corey, thanks so much for being here, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Another week and uh, uh, some really good sports this past weekend. Of course, as you mentioned, alluded to, uh, that, you know, games, again, being affected by COVID, uh, you know, and that's going to be a problem as we see, you know, based on the scientists and the doctors that these numbers are kind of just speeding up and, uh, you know, spreading. So you kind of get concerned what's going to happen down the road. But, but again, thankful as we are uh, in this Thanksgiving week, thankful for college sports, thankful for some of the high school games that have been played and the NFL. So, you know, we still have been entertained, man. And, 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 you know, even when we miss games, we still get some really good quality football games. I mean, the Pac-12 after dark is, is in effect now. I mean, so, you know, I got a chance to see former Gamecock quarterback, Jake Bentley, uh, you know, he didn't start. He got beat out, but the starter got hurt in the first quarter. He got to come in and and um, play some football. So I had a really good sports weekend, man. It's the, It was really fun. Of course, uh, here in South Carolina, we'll get into that. Just continue to be issued with fans and players and former players and uh, based on guys opting out. So that, that, that picked up steam. But thankful, brother. At the end of the day, thankful. Absolutely. And so for the first time ever in my life, I celebrated Thanksgiving with my family yesterday. So that wow. means the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We've never done it before. And, and let me just say, we were off our game. So it was not a normal <laughs> Sunday. We thought, all right, you know, some of my brother and his wife, they had other plans on, on Thursday. So we're like, all right, we want to, want to get everybody together on the Sunday before. My parents, they live in a new house. They, they bought this new turkey roaster. And get this. We were supposed to eat at about uh, 1 o'clock. We didn't eat until 4.30 because the roaster didn't work. Like, it wasn't heating the turkey. And so they kept going up to, to, to heat, check the heat, say, all right, is it up to the right you know, temperature and, and all that? And, hey, just give us five more minutes. Five, well, five more minutes turned into two and a half hours. So I, uh, I spent the, uh, the makeshift Thanksgiving waiting for the turkey, but ended up being a great day. We still had a blast and actually uh, probably made for some more uh, – memorable moments as we waited for that that turkey but uh a good lesson in in waiting and also when your plans go awry 
you got to look around and be thankful for what you do have in the, in the midst of it all. Because my whole family was there. We were watching football and we eventually ate and uh, I brought the pumpkin pie. So uh, the, the pumpkin pie made it and, and uh, it was all right. So uh, that so sounds good, fun. man. And you mentioned <laughs> a memorable moments, right? That's what you always look back, you know, the year of 2020 and, yep. uh, you know, we did something different. You know, you're going to look back and you're going to laugh about it. Although yesterday, I'm sure you were hungry <laughs> and ready for that turkey. But, you know, it was delayed just a little bit. But now you can, you know, next year, five years, 10 years, when you when you, your children get older, you can say, this happened. And, man, we just had a great, great laugh. But the, the good news is we were together. And that's the most important thing. That's it. That's it. So if, if my Thanksgiving giving in 2020 is any indication of everybody else's look out, look out on Thursday, <laughs> get, that, get that Turkey roaster ready to go, get the oven ready. You don't know what's going to happen this year. It's a wild year. So uh, before we jump in, let me thank our sponsor, uh, health market genius. Do you need to get your own health insurance? We'll go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com support them as they support us. All right, so we'll get to maybe the game of the day, which was the Ravens and the Titans. We'll get to that at the end because that's today's unpack this as we, we unpack that game and, and specifically some of the comments that Lamar Jackson made after the game. But let, let's begin with Sunday night football, the Chiefs and the Raiders. And the Raiders are the one team to beat the Chiefs earlier this year. And then once again, they played them tough. And I heard the stat today where – Kansas City has basically held every other team to around 17 points a game, except for the except for the Raiders, who who seem to be able to light it up against the Chiefs, and so they found a formula on offense against that Chiefs defense, which is very interesting. Derek Carr played well last night. Jacobs didn't run for a ton, but overall the offense was just uh, effective, and and it, it took the Chiefs to to put together a, a game winning drive with Patrick Mahomes. To, to pull that one out. And I think my big takeaway is the, the Chiefs with Mahomes, they're never out of it. They're still the team to beat in this, in this whole season. They're the reigning champs. And, and I still am as confident in them as I am in any other team, even the undefeated Steelers. But John Gruden has figured out a way to make this Raiders team competitive to play right up there with the Chiefs. They're a division rival, but they're not scared of them. And, and I, I was thinking to myself watching it, I'm thinking, John Gruden, former Monday Night Football, Jason Witten catches a touchdown, former Monday Night Football analyst, and then Mike Mayock, the GM, former NFL Network analyst. The Raiders, I don't know how they do it. I don't even know, you know all the players that they have. I'm not as familiar with them as I am compared to other teams, but they keep finding a way. What was your big takeaway from that one? Yeah, I watched that game, and it was, uh, it was a good one. It was a really good one. Of course, uh, John Gruden is a very – Smart head football coach. He's won a Super Bowl uh, down in uh, you know years ago, and 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 of course uh, this guy, you know, he's got a good football team. I mean, you know, you look at Carl. You know, he always talks about I'm tired of being disrespected. Nobody disrespects me. Excuse me, as a quarterback, and and you look at the makeup of their football team offensively, right? He's been around. You know, he's thrown for a lot of yards in the past. He's got a good arm. But he's playing some smart football right now. You know, you couple that with, with Jacobs, who I know very well, played at this school at Alabama, um, a strong runner inside the tackles. You get those tough three, four, seven yards for you. They, they're, they're young at wide receiver, but they got some crazy talent. Their tight end is maybe the best tight end. I know everybody talk about Kelsey, who's amazing, right? But 
but he's pretty special. Uh, so they got some good pieces all around. They got speed with rugs and drafted in the first round, a hundred rent fraud of Clemson in this second year. Uh, I mean, so this guy has, has done some good things to possession receiver. And I think they play really good defensively for the most part against Kansas city, because I mean, they had Patrick Mahomes, you know, running around, throwing the ball, trying to make those miraculous throws, which he did in the end of the game. And, but uh, what a great football game. But as you mentioned, uh, this team, Kansas city, man, is special. I mean, they know Sammy Watkins in the ball game. I mean, they got, they're dinged up. They got some guys hurt, uh, some big explosive players on the outside. So that takes away a little bit from the offense. Got Le'Veon Bell, who scored a touchdown for them last night. Defensively, I just don't know. You know, they were like this last year, right? They they were kind yeah. of questionable. and But then they they found a way to come up with big plays, timely stops uh, in those ball games, and, you know, getting pressure on the quarterback. So I don't know. I mean, they they were falling apart last night. I don't know if you saw this. They were yelling and screaming. And, and you know, even Andy Reid, who never goes on the defensive side. Yeah. He went over there and started, yep. you know, saying some things to them. So that told me there was some frustration happening with this defense and, and, and they were starting to point fingers and that's not a good sign, but, but they held on the biggest problem last night for the, the Las Vegas Raiders, they gave or left some time for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, a minute and 20, whatever time he had way too much. And uh, he went down and scored a touchdown with time to spare. I mean, so that, that just tells you that guy's special. That's been kind of a theme this year. We've seen this in multiple games where mm-hmm. teams end up giving just a little bit too much time to star quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and when you, you give them a chance, look out. So that's, that, it's, it's tough to play that time management game, though. Oftentimes, you, you, know, you want to get into the end zone, and you never know the exact amount of time that's, that's needed because teams can score you know, with 50 seconds or a minute 30. And so it's always a little tricky to know. But, yeah, you want to hold on as long as you can. And, Mahomes will make you pay though if you give him another chance and just yeah, the way that yeah. he's so calm and so smooth and, doesn't panic and I, man no no and he's just he is one of the most likable guys in the league too and so they, they keep it going but the defense Tyron Matthew you know he had a costly penalty there at the end too and so they, they gotta they gotta keep their composers composure on defense that's gonna be what uh <laughs> might prevent them from being able to repeat, but I still think they're the favorite. Well, I, and there was a lot of energy in this ball game because, of the, you know, the Raiders drove around this stadium, you know, when they won it at Kansas City at Arrowhead. And, and, you know, you can hear the comments from Patrick Mahomes at the end of the ball game. He's like, you know, we need to let them know that the AFC West got to come through Kansas City, even though they lost uh, to the Raiders at home. But, you know, I think they took it personal. I mean, you know, uh, they, they, they think they won five weeks in a row, five games in a row since that loss to the Raiders. So, you know, listen, man, I, I look forward to see, you know, especially with the extra team now in the playoffs, what's that's going to look like? Can the Raiders still sneak in there uh, and be one of those teams that, hey, you know what, going to upset somebody? So, yeah, we'll see, man. I, I, I like this football team that John Gruden is, is really building. It's going to be amazing to see once we get back to some type of normalcy with fans in that amazing arena that they have. Uh, and, and that makes a big difference, man. You know, I was sitting there last night. I'm like, I'm watching games with nobody in the stands. And I'm like, it's just hard to get a, a real picture. What, what's that like? Because to me, that's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, preseason practice when teams will come, you know, like Cleveland will come to New York. And we would go to Cleveland or, or to New England. And we'll practice a scrimmage and have those types of games inside the stadium with nobody there. And I start thinking that's what it's like. 
Because when you take the fans away, there's no yelling and screaming. There's no advantage either way. Do guys feel like playing a day or not? You know, it's, it doesn't seem like a game because you don't have all the pageantry that comes along with, with game day, uh, even though cameras are there. But it's like, man, you have cameras there anyway. Practice because they film everything. So it's really – I don't think people understand to play these games is really difficult for the players because you got to find some way to create emotion and energy uh, you know, to try to get to that next level. And, and I think it's been apparent that a lot of teams are having trouble doing that. And I think that's kind of was the case with Kansas City last night. They were kind of the defense. They were kind of dragging. It's kind of going through the motion like it was practice. I saw one play, uh, Bryce, and they were just sitting there. They stopped rushing. They were just like the three linemen and the three defensive linemen over here. They were just kind of like, we call it dancing with each other, right? They were just sitting there <laughs> hanging out. I'm like, yeah. this, is, this is kind of like practice to me. Wow. No, I, I think that's a, a very fair point and it's definitely affecting the season. And I think, I think you're right about what you, what you said about, it. I guess maybe the positive with it is that all the games are essentially neutral now. So it's at a neutral site and I, I'd have to look at the numbers, but it seems like every week we're getting a ton of close games mm-hmm. down to the wire. As far as how does this compare to years past? Now the NFL is always pretty competitive and week in week out, you're going to get tight games and, we talked a couple weeks ago, you know, the margin between the top teams and at least the middle of the road, pretty small margin. And and so we see that. And that's why the Raiders can play the chiefs tough. And that's why we saw the the Broncos beat the dolphins yesterday. So all that kind of thing. But, but I do think that the neutral site and kind of the feel without the fans probably makes more games closer that wouldn't necessarily be as close because it's normally hard to go up to Seattle and win a game. It's hard to win in Kansas city and Pittsburgh and all these play. Well, nobody's beat Pittsburgh, but you know, it's all these, you know, these towns that, that have these, these great home field advantages that's kind of been taken away from them this year, uh, which doesn't you know benefit them as much. And think you about know? it. it it's the defense, right? Because defense is the, is the, is the unit that really uh, gets, gets motivated and pushed by fans and noise and energy, the defense, you know, boom, boom, they pump the music, you know, so the defense more so than the offense is affected in this scenario because offense, hey, we just, it's about timing and running our routes and doing, we know what we're doing and know where we're going, but defense, we need crowd noise. Defense, we need people screaming and yelling, you know, we say, come on, let's get this, you know, offense kind of like golf. Yeah. Quiet, yeah, please, right? You know, offense guy makes me think of golf. Like, we don't want no noise. Be quiet. We got to think. Defense bring all the noise. We need the thunder. We need the boom. We, we need to hear you. And, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of bad defense right now in the NFL, especially when you have these games that, like you said, I mean, think about Seattle, the 12th man. I mean, how rowdy was that crowd? How rowdy yeah. was that crowd? How hard was it for, for other opposing offenses to snap the ball? And you had all these false starts and offsides. And, you know, so the, the fans and the crowd noise, I think, affects defenses. You know, it's just hard. Being a former defensive player, I know in Giants Stadium, we love the noise, man. You know, we love it. Man, we, we take it to another decibel, another, another level when you got crowd noise. So I think the defense is, man, really, really being affected by, you know, no fans or, you know, if they're 10 or 12, whatever thousand they putting in these stadiums, not enough to move the needle. Now, now it's, it's nice for those fans to be there and experience it, but yeah, it's not affecting much at all. Cause, and, and we're still listening to the manufactured fan noise when we're watching on TV. They're not even mm-hmm. playing the real, the real fans, which, you know, it'd be scattered, weird. Or, yeah, spattered or whatever uh, around the stadium. 
uh, which yeah, would just sound weird, but, um, but yeah, so it's, that's an interesting uh, angle and, and storyline this year. And I'm just thankful that for the most part, the NFL season has not been affected like the college football season, as, as far as games being canceled and postponed really for the last few weeks, the NFL has been rolling. Other than that one Tuesday night game, I mean, we just continue to see, you know, teams re- responding, recovering, and it not affecting the, the matchups, uh, which is huge. But let, let's stay in the AFC West for, for a moment because the, um, the, the Broncos were able to beat the Miami Dolphins yesterday. And we've talked the last couple of weeks on the show about Tua Tungvaloa, and he's been playing great as a rookie quarterback. And we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and, and he got you know, pulled a few weeks ago uh, in, in favor of, of Tua. And then yesterday, they're down 20 to 10. The Dolphins are. Tua's just not having a great day, not getting the offense going like, like they need to. And Brian Flores pulls them in order to give a spark to the team to put Fat, Fitzpatrick in there, which that's what Fitzpatrick does. He is that, that spark, and he, he does it all the time. He's done it throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But I don't seem to think that that was the best decision. Now, they didn't win the game, so it's easy to say that. But it seems very bizarre. I mean, have you, I, I can't really think of many examples of this where two is still the starter. He's your guy, yet you're going to take him out in, in kind of an opportunity for him to face some adversity to see, okay, how is he going to respond down 10? You know, can he rally the troops himself? No, you're going to go to his for, you know, the former starter and his current backup. I, that's tough for me to, to wrap my mind around. What, what do you make of it? Yeah, it was kind of weird, Bryce, uh, you know, but I understand uh, Flores, his, his mindset behind it because he felt like they needed something. And I was watching some of that game, and, and, and really, Tua didn't have a chance. I mean, when you look at it, it wasn't Tua. It was the offensive line. They were, they were just yeah. getting destroyed by the defensive front and the, and the pass rush of the Denver Broncos. I mean, Tua was running for his life the majority of the time. So instead of getting back there and setting your feet, having an opportunity to scan the field and, you know, deliver the football, it wasn't there. And so, you know, he's running around trying to create, trying to improvise, and uh, he didn't have that opportunity. So, you know, he had the one touchdown pass early in the first quarter, I believe. Other than that, man, it was it was all downhill. So I didn't know by changing quarterbacks was going to make any difference because the offensive line is not blocking anybody. And so, which I think that that – that turned out to be true because, you know, when Fitzpatrick got in there, it wasn't nothing really different. I think he even threw an interception. So, listen, man, you know, you have some of them days, you know, he's looking for something to try to give a spark. You put the veteran in there, the season guy, and if it's magic, Fitzpatrick, you know, hoping that he can spark something, get something going, and that did not happen. I just had a bad day uh, for the Dolphins, but I'm glad that he he went back and made it clear, no questions. Hey, Tua Tagovailoa is our starter. And he will start the next game for the Miami Dolphins, and 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 that's the head coach taking that ownership and leadership. Hey, we just we're just trying to get something to happen for us offensively. We were we were kind of dead in the water, um, so I understand that you know hoping to give them a spark, but I'm fine with it. I think Tua is the type type of person. I know he is. I don't think I know he is. Where he's not going to get mad, upset. You know, he he said, hey, you know what? Uh, the coach did it for the best of the team. It's about the team, and it's not about me. And you love that attitude from a young football player because, you know, he, he wants what's best for the team and he knows he wasn't playing well. The Dolphins wasn't playing well around him. So coach did what he needed to do. Yeah. I wonder what that, the huddle really was thinking during that time. And they go, wait a second, what Fitzpatrick's in there. And 
I even think there was a, you know, an injury concern, but that wasn't the reason that, that Tua was benched. And so it was just kind of a, yeah, a very unique situation, but, uh, but yeah, Tua is their franchise quarterback as of, as of today. And they're, they're building their future, you know, around him and, and they're encouraged by what he's already done for through the first few weeks. Uh, but yesterday was just a bad day. So it happens, uh, right? It's going to happen for, for rookie quarterbacks, unless you're Justin Herbert. And I, I just can't believe how good he's playing. And yesterday they beat the Jets. So whoop de do. But he continues to throw touchdown after touchdown. He plays well week after week. They haven't been winning a ton of games this year. But that, that's not – I don't think that's been the key indicator for how well Herbert's been playing. Mm-hmm. But I saw this. He, he's the first quarterback with two-plus touchdowns in seven straight games for a rookie. For a rookie quarterback, two-plus touchdowns in seven straight games. <laughs> that's incredible. And he just seems unfazed. Uh, he cut his hair this week. That didn't no. stop him. We, we thought that was uh, you know a little Samson like, but no, he was he was still good to go, and they were able to get the win and pull it out. Uh, even though the Jets probably made it a little little tighter than uh, you'd like to think for the Chargers. But I, I guess my my question is, how how is Herbert continuing to remain so underrated? That he, I would even say yesterday with um, Joe Burrow going down with an injury which, which we got to talk about, which is devastating and such a bummer. Everybody loves Burrow. And maybe just because he won the championship with LSU and, and more people were aware of him coming in that, oh, Burrow, 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 mm. even in fantasy circles or whatever. But Justin Herbert has, has really shown a lot. And I'm just waiting for him to get maybe the, the respect and the attention. But, uh, but what, do you, what do you make of, of this kind of strong start for him especially when you consider rookie quarterbacks, you know, you, you expect some off games from guys. Well, it was a mis- mixed bag with him coming out of college. I mean, you know, yeah, a lot of folks liked him, loved his size, you know, that prototypical size, big arm, but didn't, you know, didn't necessarily possess the touch passes and, you know, those short intermediate passes, you seem to throw them extremely hard and, you know, but they know he had a great upside. It's about getting him in the right system and the right, uh, surrounding him with right, the right players. And I think we've seen that. Uh, uh, with him and he's been really good and I think he's surprised some uh, uh, on, on how well he's playing he's always seemed to be that cerebral type player film room studies the game and that helps a lot especially at the position of quarterback so um, am I shocked at how well he's playing a little bit because I wasn't real high on him I mean a lot of, some yeah. people were talking you know going in front of some of these other guys but I, I wasn't feeling it I, I yeah. thought he was definitely a first round type guy but I thought you know, he was a guy that may develop down the road. And then, um, you know, the starter gets hurt and uh, and the coach makes a bold move. You know, you know, he, he's out. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Virginia Tech, former quarterback. What's the starter name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod right. Taylor, I'm sorry. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor goes down and loses his job. Uh, because of a mistake that the doctors did, you know, trying to. Know, the, yeah, yeah, that was bad. And so, you know, now. We, we got, you know, Herbert in there, and he's doing well. So, you know, Tyrod Taylor can't get his job back. Listen, this guy got an uh, amazing future ahead of him. I mean, he's smart. He can move. He's not he's not your typical dual threat, but he moves good enough to extend plays, and, you know, he can get you first down with his legs if he has to. Uh, but, you know, he hangs in the pocket, you know, he scans the field, go through his read progression, and I like that about him. Um, so I'm a little bit surprised that he has played as well as he has played this season. 
Um, but again, that's what it is, right? That's what happens. Sometimes you just don't know, or you haven't watched the guy long enough because he's playing on, you know, Pac-12 at the dark, and a lot of people didn't really see a whole lot of him, you know. So now you go, whoa, this dude's pretty daggum good, and, and he's gotten better. And that's the thing; he's better today, a lot better than he, he was uh, in college. And you saw those 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 things happen. So uh, I'm excited to see how he's going to progress. Year number two, year number three, as you said, they're not winning a ton of games, but but the more they get the right people around him and to be able to see what he can do, I think, you know, he's got a lot of good days in front of him. And they've had tons of injuries to their running backs and, and they just, you know, that the offense keeps moving and yeah. kind of next, next man up. And then, you know, it helps when you got Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams out there. Hunter Henry's actually been playing better the last couple of weeks at tight end. So yeah, he's, he's, he's making those guys play up to what they're capable of. And, and it's nice to have a, a guy with, yeah, just kind of his size and demeanor back there in the pocket. Very confident. Uh, I've been impressed with him. Now, on the flip side, a quarterback that also came in guns a-blazing as a, as a rookie and, and played well early in his career, and that's Carson Wentz. And to me, Carson Wentz, we know the talent that he has. We know what he's capable of. We, we've seen him play at an MVP caliber uh, quarterback play. But this season has been dreadful for the Eagles. And I know I was high on him coming into the year. I, I like Wentz. I'm a fan of Wentz. But it is not going well in Philly, to, to say the least. And you keep hoping that, oh, this will be the week they turn it around. Or, okay, yeah, if they showed some glimpses here and, and uh, maybe they'll get some, some momentum going. Yet it just keeps unraveling. And, and I got, I got a text from my buddy or my cousin who lives in Philadelphia and my neighbor is an Eagles fan. And so, I mean, these guys are, are, they're just beside themselves watching Carson Wentz out there. And my, my solution to it all is I believe the Eagles should trade Wentz to the Colts after the season. Phillip rivers doesn't have much left. If he even comes back for another season, and I'd like to see Wentz with Frank Reich, who was his coordinator uh, for a couple seasons before he took over as, as head coach. And I, I think that this whole situation just doesn't, it doesn't work well mm. for Wentz. They won a Super Bowl with his backup. And Wentz has been injury prone since being there. And it just seems like mentally, emotionally, there's a disconnect. He, he just se- he seems so indecisive. It's not changing. And I'm just not sure that it's going to change in Philadelphia. Um, so I don't know if the answer is benching him. I like to, I'm, I'm curious to see what Jalen Hurts can do. But to your point, and we'll maybe expand on this point earlier uh, a little bit more as well, just you got to have a good offensive line. And that's been part of the issue in Philadelphia as well. But I think it goes beyond that for Wentz. Um, and, and this is just kind of a, a really tough spot for, for Philly and for him. Yeah, you know, he, he's an intriguing player. I, I mean, the guy came in with this amazing, hopeful upside, right? And, and I think we see flashes of greatness with him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, lately, you know, he gets hurt. And, you know, uh, he, like you said, the backup wins the Super Bowl. And, you know, they haven't done that in God knows years and years and years. They get it done and then he gets back and, and people think, hey, you know, Nick Foles is gone and, and moves on. He goes to Jacksonville, and that didn't work out for him. Now he's in Chicago, so he done made a couple of stops. So you go, well, what was what was the difference? And again, for me, quarterback play, get too much credit when they win, 
too much blame when they lose. And I think this is the, the, the case with Carson Wentz. I think it gets too much blame when things are going awry uh, for the Eagles and maybe gotten too much success. I'm a credit when they had great success, right? And I think he has all the tools to be an excellent quarterback. But I'm sitting here looking at the stat line. I'm saying, okay, he's 21-35, 235, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Alshon Jeffrey, who's a guy that they paid a lot of money to, former Gamecock, you know, been hurt. Hadn't, hadn't been productive. He comes back. Uh, you know, let's look at his stat line. Uh, nothing. Zeros. I, I mean, targets, two targets, zeros. I mean, Jalen Rigger. I mean, Barton Scott, Miles. I mean, Greg Ward, who played quarterback. I can call you know, look at his guys. Look who he's throwing to. That, so yeah. he don't have any prominent players out there. I mean, so. We, we can talk about all this other stuff. And then you think about the running game back when they were successful, they won a Super Bowl, they could run the football. You know, they hammered you too. So the play action pass was there. I mean, the tight end was an excellent target for them. You know, none of that is there for the Eagles right now. So Carson Wentz is a guy. I agree that they need to trade him. I agree that he needs to try to find somewhere else to go. And if you He's put him start. with some weapons, you give him some weapons, He's going to go back to that prominent, that Pro Bowl status quarterback. But this team right now in the city of brotherly love is not real good. And it's not just him. And unfortunately, he's trying to win games on his own. And Um, therefore, he's trying to force throws. He's trying to make things happen. You know, you make mistakes because you're trying to do too much. So, you know, you drafted Jalen Hurts, put him in there, but you're going to have to change the offense, do something different with him. And, you know, so I don't know, man. I, I, th- this is an intriguing question that you just you ask. You know, what you do to do, do with uh, Carson Wentz? Who knows? I just think right now the days are numbered in Philly. It's time to make a move. This is not working. So unless you're going to bring in some guys via free agency or draft some playmakers, but with this group of guys, they ain't winning no games. And the only way they're in the, in the conversation because the NFC East is so bad. I mean, you got the Giants. Cowboys – and now in first place, they've been that's losing right. and win yesterday. Not in first place. I know, and well, that's the crazy part. That's why Peterson doesn't want to bench Wentz, and and so yeah, I mean, you're losing games yet you're still fighting for a division win. It doesn't, you know, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And then you you drafted a quarterback earlier than than what most people would expect the Eagles to have done during last year's draft. So you have Hurts. You're intrigued by Hertz. He's the kind of guy that you can bring in for some plays, and, and Peterson has already said that he may add him into the offense a little bit more. So what will that mean? And then, you know, once you lose the fan base in Philly, it's tough. They're, they're tough people. <laughs> they are. I got family up there. I get it. They uh, Once they kind of turn on you. They're not the to... most patient, bro. No, they're not. And, and Foles is their hero. And so I, I just think that, that Wentz, it's, just, it's almost just too, too much to overcome. The, the players that you mentioned, I, I feel like he's got some level of the yips. You know, we hear this from pitchers and golfers, and I don't know. He just looks like a quarterback out there, very uncomfortable, and, and not uh, the kind of guy that, that you can trust out there. Um, and, and he doesn't trust himself, really. So I, I can't, you know, I'm not in his head, so I don't know exactly what that, that is. But I, I, know, I know what I've seen him do before. He's not doing that now, and I would be curious to see him with a fresh start. It's the best. Football is the greatest team sport, and if you don't have great team or people, individuals around you, you can be really 
dynamic as an athlete. If you don't have any help, your your ability is going to be uh, just diminished. And this is what's happening. I'm telling you, he's not. He hasn't gotten worse. I mean, this guy is, is a competitor. We've seen mm-hmm. it. But the problem is the management of this team, the roster has been horrible. And and then when they had those guys, uh, they, they've gotten hurt. You know, so you don't have Alshon. Jeff, you don't have the, your tight ends like you normally had. I mean, so a lot of different things, man, it, it goes into that. And, and you mentioned I played in Philly a lot of times. And uh, they get impatient. They get mad. They turn on you very quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're not so nice. But, but again, I, I think he will benefit from a different zip code. Speaking of the Colts, they still have Phillip Rivers, but he was in the tent a little bit at times and saw him run into the locker room. But he made the plays necessary. But ultimately, it's the Colts defense that got the win against the Packers. And dare I say that that's a Super Bowl potential little preview matchup. I, I like both these teams. I'm not sure that the Packers have maybe the defense to get there. And I'm not sure if you can trust Rivers all the way to get there. But I still think both these teams are the upper echelon uh, in the NFL and, and they'll be in the playoffs and in you know Super Bowl contention. But a great matchup yesterday. And, and I've, I've been on the, the Colts bandwagon in, in particular. I'm glad they finally got Jonathan Taylor involved more. He, you know, he, he produced much better than he had in, in recent weeks. I'm thrilled with Michael Pittman. Uh, he had another big game at, at wide receiver, but, but the defense made the plays, and you, know, you hate to see a guy fumble on, on, on Green Bay and kind of cost your team a little bit too, so that, that doesn't help uh, MVS. But, but the Colts, you, you know, the Titans won as well, which we'll talk about in a little bit. They keep going back and forth. Those two are fighting that, that AFC South is going to be tight. Both should sneak in um, or convincingly get in, I guess, not even sneak in. But both should be in the playoffs. Uh, but, but were you surprised that, that Rodgers and company couldn't pull that one out against Indy? Well, a great comeback by Indy. I watched a lot of that football game, Phillip Rivers, and, you know, made some early mistakes. Uh, but they bounced back. They got behind Aaron Rodgers. Of course, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, they, they had their own uh, issues turning the ball over. I mean, he threw an interception, crucial interception in the ball game, but the fumbles that they had in the ball game that eventually cost them the game. But you mentioned, you know, the Colts, they play great defense. They like running the football. Jonathan Taylor, 22 uh, rushes for 90 yards. I mean, Wisconsin probably, I thought, you know, this is a guy that 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 can just tote the mail. I, I was surprised that many teams passed on him. I thought he, but it's, you know, when we talk about running backs, we know people, draft way down with those guys but Pittman you mentioned him stepped up and made some plays but you know I'm not I'm not all in to where, where you are with the Colts I, I don't I, I they're not in my top four yet in the AFC I, I just I, I can't see the defense is opportunistic you know they, they get after you man they, they ball they love to play they play with great energy but I just can't buy what they are selling I don't see it yet right they're a good solid team but are they, eh, you know, I still, I'm looking at Kansas City, you know, that number one. And Baltimore is struggling, but I still think they got potential to make some things and, and make some things happen. Of course, Pittsburgh sitting there undefeated, and we still say Kansas City is the best team. So that's three teams. And don't, don't kick out Tennessee just yet. You know, they'll get things right. So where, where do you put the Colts? And I can go on. So they're good. They're solid. I don't think they're a Super Bowl. I, I don't see that. I just right. you mentioned earlier, yeah, I, and I think across the board, defense. You know, it's not there aren't a ton of great defenses. However, who are the top defenses? Pittsburgh. They're undefeated. 
Indy, they've got one of the top defenses, yeah. and, and they're right there in the mix. And I think, you, as you well, know, they actually, as Indy has, I think, the number one defense, I believe. Yeah, they're, yeah absolutely. So, um, you know, November, December, January, it is about defenses. And because there aren't many, those are the teams that are going to separate themselves. So, so that's why I, I'm, I am confident in, in Indy to, to be there wow. a little bit deeper than, than many think. I guess, but I, I am concerned with the health of Rivers, you know, and, and the consistency of Rivers. That's, that's kind of their, their downfall, I guess. Okay, here's what I got. Okay, here's some teams for you real quick. Baltimore, yes. I know they lost the last couple, but I'm not kicking them out yet. Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Don't forget about the Cleveland Browns just yet. They're seven and three. <laughs> I'm don't taking the Colts over the Browns. I mean, don't kick the Cleveland Browns out the door. Nick Chubb in that running game. Kareem Hunt, they got players on the outside. By the way, they play some pretty good dog on defense, too. And, and they did it yesterday without their well, leader, the sack. It helps when it rains. It helps when it rains every week in Cleveland. It's always a sloppy hey, game. Hey, don't, don't count them out just yet. And then. You know, I know the AFC East, New England pretty much out of They lost in a close game yesterday. That, uh, I think it was Houston they played. Uh, so, um, of course, Pittsburgh, Tennessee. So, you know, Andy's in the mix. They're in the mix. But I'm looking at these three, four teams. I don't see them uh, leapfrogging. I, I think Pittsburgh, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo even. You know, so you got those to me, that top three. Uh, then you throw in Baltimore and, and Tennessee and then, then Indianapolis in that second tier in the AFC. All right. I, I, I'll, so I'll disagree and put Indy at three. I, I think yeah, Kansas City's still the team to beat, then Pittsburgh being undefeated, then Indy. So that's, that's, that's who I like in the, in the AFC. Okay. And uh, so I, I don't think there's much to talk about with Pittsburgh because they, they blew out nah. Jacksonville and, and Big Ben, you know, felt like, hey, we left some points on the board, which they probably did. Um, but I, I found this stat I thought it was interesting. So Pittsburgh became the 18th team in the Super Bowl era to start 10 and 0. And of those teams, six made it to the Super Bowl or six won it all. Ten made it to the Super Bowl, six won it all. So a third of those teams ended up winning it all. Um, so I think I think Pittsburgh will will be right there, uh, and they just continue to be impressive. I think getting Benny Snell, the running back. Uh, involved a little bit more is going to be key for them. I think Chase Claypool has really emerged as a, a major weapon, and, and he burst onto the scene weeks ago, but he continues to remain relevant. And, you know, rookie rookie ride receivers this year have been pretty impressive overall. CeeDee Lamb in, in Dallas yesterday played very well. Um, Justin Jefferson's been been great for Minnesota this year, so some some nice guys at, at that position. But uh, Chase Claypool, to me, is as, as – uh, impressive as any of those guys and then a uh, big band of course bouncing back this year uh playing really well um all right we do need to mention the uh the, the panthers of course because they got the win yesterday with a shutout which you, you mentioned defenses haven't been doing as much this year i don't think there's been another shutout this year i could be wrong but there there have been very few if any uh so that was kind of a, a surprising performance for that panthers defense a very young panthers defense a defense that you know, a week ago, let Ronald Jones run for 98 yards on a play. So they uh, they short things up. But, man, it sure does help when you got DeAndre Swift out, you got Kenny Galladay out, you got uh, uh, Matthew Stafford playing with four fingers. So we'll, we'll take it. But uh, but the Panthers at least got the win. We're the backup quarterback themselves. I mean, listen, that, that, watching that game was just really kind of weird, to be honest with you, because you're like, okay, you know, and, and – I'm honest when it comes to 
it's my son's team. I mean, you know, I, I want them to win, but I, I'm always been honest and upfront what I think. When I look at this Panthers team and, you know, getting a shutout out of win is a win. You know, these are pro guys. They're getting paid, you know, hey, 40 to nothing, big time win with the guy that he, you know, a year ago, the man was playing in Houston, right, in the XFL. And, but he was lighting that, lighting it up. And, you know, this is Matt Rule's guy, right, going back to Temple, I believe, uh, his quarterback. And so uh, they've, they've kind of connected again. And he can play. He's that guy that gives you that dual threat. He can spin it, got a nice arm. And, listen, I think we all can agree this, that the Panthers, as much uh, criticism that the receiving core with Samuel and those guys more, DJ Moore, got last year. Hey, they are stepping things up. I mean, so they've become weapons on the outside, even though Christian McCaffrey uh, didn't play on yesterday. You know, Mike Davis has stepped in and done a nice job. He has 64 yards and a touchdown. But P.J. Walker, well, look at these numbers, 24-34. Uh, he did have two interceptions. Now, he still made some mistakes in the touchdown. But I look at these guys, D.J. Moore, seven catches, 127 yards. Curtis Samuel, eight catches, 70 yards. These are two guys last year that played for Ron Rivera that, that the fan base is ready to kick him to the curb. Now, you know, these guys are not getting it done. It just goes to show you that what the system can do for you and what players, if you're in the right system, it can highlight you. And uh, Robbie Anderson, they brought him from the Jets. You know, he's their kind of deep threat. He's having a, a really good year. So, you know, these guys have done some great things offensively with Joe Brady, that, that offense that he ran down at LSU. So, you know, now you get the quarterback. I say he's a third-string quarterback, but he's jumping in front of Will Greer. He's done a nice job. But as you said, I can't take a lot from it. I, I'm not going to be the one, the Monday morning quarterback, and say how great the Panthers are and because they got a shit out of Detroit. As you said, all their guys are hurt. You know, Stafford himself is hurt. I mean, they got guys. I mean, it was – yeah, I don't know what it takes from. It's a win, yes, but it don't tell me a lot. It tells me that I that those, you know, Brian Burns is, is special, who who yeah. just harassed them in the backfield all day long. Of course, I already, already knew that Brian Burns is a special player. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, what, what, how many wins is that not for the Panthers? Four or five? We'll take it. We'll take four. We'll take four. You know, they're four and seven. So my my prediction for the Panthers, even before all this, was five and 11. I mean, I thought they would be a 5-11 and 11 team uh, just based on new coach, COVID, and everything that was going on. Uh, but I, I, I applaud Matt Rule for getting guys ready to play. They compete very hard. Uh, when you got a bunch of young guys, one thing you know you're going to get is, is effort and um, because they don't have that, 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 you know, long tenure in the league yet. So they're going to play hard, and, and that's what you're seeing. And, they, and you know, they get the win. That's a great win, 20 to nothing over the Lions. But – at the same time, I don't know how much respect people from the league are saying, yeah, nah, you know, nah. they ain't getting that. But but I think – and we, we I probably talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the Chargers and the Panthers, for them, they're, they're competing well, they're in games, and the Chargers found their quarterback. But I think for the Panthers, they found their three receivers. They, mm -hmm. they know they've got McCaffrey, and now they know they've got a great backup in Mike Davis. And unless some team offers Davis the starting role somewhere – I think you bring him back and you say, hey, now we got a nice one-two punch. And so you, you go into the offseason and next season saying, hey, we got core guys that, that got playing time this year that, you know, the pressure wasn't on this team to, to win a ton of games, but we've seen the development. We've seen guys that, like you say, Curtis Samuel, we were ready to write off. Now 
you got to make a, a find a way to bring him back and sign him to an extension and, and, and keep him in the building because he is a weapon. And he, I even questioned a few weeks ago, he kind of had that breakout game. Uh, can that continue? He's now had multiple impressive games. And, and so if that's your third receiver, wow. I mean, that's, that's as strong of a receiving core as anybody in the league, which is, which is just huge. Now still got to find a tight end. Um, but you know, some, and probably some more help in the secondary moving forward. And so you, you, you identify the holes going into the off season, but at, at least they're playing tough and to get, to get that kind of production out of a backup quarterback is huge. You, you yeah. And, and Teddy Bridgewater is definitely more than a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he's been playing very well. So when he gets back and, you know, so it gives you a chance. I mean, but when you look at their division, you know, we don't know Drew Brees is hurt again and, and, you know, Tayshawn Hill stepped in and played phenomenal. I thought James Winston would be the guy, but they went with this guy that's just basically like a fullback playing quarterback of Tim Tebow, you know, getting yeah. it done. So then, you know, terrific time down in Tampa. You know, Atlanta's going to have a new coach. What's going to happen with them? So, you know, the Panthers are looking forward, you know, hey, you feel like maybe we got a chance to make a push here because Braden and Breeze are getting old, um, you know, so we might sneak up in there and be the second-best team somehow in this in this division. But I, I don't know. Um, uh, by the way, news just came down the pike. Christian McCaffrey unlikely out uh, of, of the game with a shoulder injury on Sunday. So uh, and that was came from the four-letter network, Adam Scheffner. So uh, so probably going to be without him again. If I'm, if I'm Matt Rule, I'm shutting him down. I mean, yeah. no, no need me for him to go out and play. You have no reason. I mean, you know, I know people don't like want to hear that, but listen. This is your guy. You paid him all this money. You're going to need him when things yep. do turn around, right? He's banged up. He's got an ankle and he's got a shoulder in a season that don't matter. I mean, this is kind of a throwaway year with COVID and everything else. And the Panthers are not going to make the playoffs. So you got, you know, five games left. Shut him down. Just say, hey, man, right. let's get healthy. You, you, you know, we know what you can do. No need for you to go out here and risk any more injury. Yeah, and you're not worried about filling a stadium with fans. You right. know, that's why you, you put a guy like that out there is you want to stay relevant and all that sort of thing. But the, the focus of, of the rest of the season is, is what I was just saying. You figure out what guys you want to stick around. And so you get some guys in there that maybe you're wondering about. You get some reps. And, and so now you know, hey, P.J. Walker, he can be a good backup quarterback. All right, that's good to know. Um, you, you wondered, all right, can Curtis Samuel, do, do we want to invest in him moving forward? Yeah, now, now, now you know that. Um, and then guys on, on defense, some of these young guys getting, getting reps. And, and so you, you, you continue to, to rotate guys in and, and figure out what the depth will look like. So with McCaffrey, you already know what he can do. So you want him to win games. So you, you save them, you get them healthy. And running backs have a shorter career unless you're Frank Gore. And so you don't want to waste those reps on, on McCaffrey and those you know, body blows. Uh, in meaningless games, really. And, and ultimately, the Panthers, if they can get a higher draft pick, that's going to benefit them more as well. So exactly. most, most fans are, are kind of rooting for that anyway. As much as we love McCaffrey being out there, it just doesn't make the most sense. So uh, we'll move on from, from the NFL. But I, I did mention Frank Gore because I wanted to bring this up today. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. One, he scored a touchdown yesterday for the Jets. And his son also scored a touchdown. He's at Southern Miss. So here's Frank Gore as a, an NFL player. His son is beginning his you know, college career at Southern Miss, uh, which is just kind of crazy. So 16 years in the NFL for Frank Gore. And I've probably never been more wrong about a player because I, I remember early on in his career, I kept thinking, all right, he's due for an injury. 
I, I don't think I could trust him in fantasy. And, and that was kind of always my mentality with Frank Gore. Now, all these years later, all these teams later, he's still producing. Even on the hapless Jets, who they can barely get into the end zone. This, <laughs> and I'll say it. He's a future Hall of Famer. Because when you have that kind of longevity at that position, you've been productive no matter where you've been. Is he, is he one of the best ever? No, but he's been really good for a really long time. And that says a lot. And so I am a Frank Gore fan. Uh, I, I always listen to Jim Rome. I know Rome's a big Gore fan as well. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on him. But Gore was saying he can't go out on an 0-16 team. So hopefully they get a win or, well, he, he, that means or come back one more season somewhere else. Well, I'm saying, well, we're going to welcome him back next year. Just not yeah, gonna exactly. They're not going to win again. I don't see it either, unless no. they win against New England on that last game of the year. That's the best we, do we count forfeits or something? Somebody have to forfeit the game? Because <laughs> they ain't going to win a game. I'm sorry. They're terrible. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll have to run through a couple quick topics here. Uh, I did want to get into the NBA, which – so normally I love well, – I always – I loved it this year too. NBA free agency is one of my favorite just events of the year. Um, I, I don't know why I love it so much, but I love to see where guys end up. There's a lot of movement that takes place in the NBA, and, and I just loved all the different responses from specifically Hornets fans because we're, we're based here in Charlotte, and, and the Hornets have been irrelevant for many years recently. And, you know, last year we lost Kemba Walker uh, out of Charlotte and he ended up in Boston. And then many years ago, the Hornets tried to sign Gordon Hayward. That deal was matched by Utah. So Hornets missed out on him, ended up getting Nick Batum, wasted years with him, a lot of money wasted on him. But I love the approach that the Hornets made this offseason to say, hey, let's go get somebody that wants to be here even if it means overpaying him for maybe five to $10 million, like that, that may be how much they're overpaying for Gordon Hayward, but sometimes that's what it takes to get a guy here in this city because free agents aren't flocking here necessarily, but oftentimes once they get here, they'll stick around. Mm -hmm. You don't see everybody flocking. There just haven't been a lot of great players lately uh, that have been here. Kemba wanted to stay here. That was more of a you know decision. Hey, what's he worth? And they kind of realized, hey, we went as far as we could with him. Um, so anyway, my my take on it is, I'm glad they did it. I think Hayward will fit here. I think he's a great uh, piece. I think he got lost in in Boston. He did, he wasn't given the opportunity uh, necessarily to shine because they had so many players and so many similar positions. I mean, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and Hayward are are more similar than they are complementary pieces. I I would say. Um, and so they tried to play all three on the same, you know, on the same four, uh, which I think they, they were just prevented from going as deep as they thought they could just because they had three talented players. Whereas I think Hayward comes here, you build around him and, and I, I think the Hornets could be all right. So I don't know if you, how, how closely you follow the, the Hornets or the NBA, but, uh, I was fired up on, on well, I'm an NBA guy. I mean, I love basketball. I, you know, for the record, I, I was, you know, got to could have played college basketball. So. You know, I, I, but I'm a Lakers fan. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan. I've been a Lakers fan. Uh, so I'm, I'm riding high still off the NBA a bubble champions. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving what they're doing in free agency. Just got Gasol, uh, not Powell, but Mark, you know, that's going to be right. great. Uh, you know, so uh, they're doing a lot of great things, which I think the moves they're making going to make them the favorites to win another championship. Let me just throw that out there for the record. Now, 
but but by yeah, the, the NBA, team, NBA team that's closest to me. I love the the Gordon Howard move. I, I do. I think yeah, he's overpaid. Uh, but I think they get a player one with, with recognition. One thing when I was in radio uh, in Charlotte, uh, I could not figure out. I look at their roster because we went over and we did uh, you know some some uh, shows uh, on site, and uh, I was like, I only knew about one guy on their roster like that. That you know that 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 for me, Aaron, it meant something. Like if I don't know a name and I'm a basketball guy, I mean, you know, but if the name just don't jump off the page at me, I'm like, how do you expect to win? You got to have some name guys. You got to have some ballers and that 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 can help you at least get some people in the arena uh, and and can score the basketball and 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 you know, to me, they didn't have that. And now you bring in this guy that I think is going to fit very nicely. And I'm saying, yeah, Mike. You know, about time, you're NBA, maybe the greatest player of all time. This is what your roster looked like. I'm like, do you even really care? Or this is just a write-off for you? I mean, <laughs> now I feel like the, the 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 Hornets are, like, trying to win games. They're trying to put put some pieces together to compete. And, 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 you know, I'm happy about that. I'm happy about Ball coming to town. Oh, boy. Yeah. Can't, you know, we need to get LeVar Ball on this show. We need to get LeVar Ball on pack, and I know – we had to tell him, like, this is a Christian radio, bro. And I'm going to become like, beep, beep. But, but I think this young man is exciting. <laughs> I think this, this young man could do some great things to help this basketball team because uh, he is a special talent. And one thing, we laugh and joke about LeVar Ball. But he was right about his songs. He was right about this one especially. So, uh, you know, listen, I, I like the direction of this basketball team. But, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how far they take it. I think to your point, it's exactly right. The, the, the Hornets are now relevant, intriguing. Mm-hmm. There's a reason to show up. There's a reason to watch them on TV. Right. And, and, I, and I like, too, they, they've got different pieces that complement each other. Um, I think you've got three guards now with, with Ball and Rozier and Graham that you're going to have to rotate and, and find a nice balance with those guys. But You've got a four in P.J. Washington that I, I think can be a starter in the NBA for a while. Uh, now with Hayward, you bring Bridges off the bench. I still like my boy Zeller. I'd like to add another center uh, to, to go along with him. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and, Corey, I don't know if we've thought about this. So, I'm, I'm a Hornets fan, grew up in Charlotte, love the Hornets. However, they left me and went to New Orleans for a few years. So, I also grew up, and you can see hanging in my studio here, I was a Kobe Bryant fan, and, and I continue to remain a Lakers fan. So when the Hornets were gone, Lakers became my first love, and so now they're, they're right there uh, up there with the Hornets. But I, so I'm with you. I loved the moves that they made. Montrezl Harrell, one of my favorite players coming out of college basketball a few years ago, and he's been good with the Clippers, but to now get him on the right team in L.A., mm. he's, he's going to be such an upgrade at the center position. I love his, his energy, how hard he plays, his toughness. He'll, he will fit in so well with Davis and LeBron. So that front court, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's unstoppable. You know, you know, get ready. They might as well just hold off on the parade and let's just oh. have, have two parades, right? Let's just have, let's just have two parades because they're going to win it again. LeBron going to win another one. I, I think they – I really think they will. It's all about injuries, of course. But, yeah, yeah. I think uh, no team got better enough to compete with the Lakers. Now the Warriors could have been, but Clay Thompson, of course, got injured. Oh man, Lord bless him, man. That's so that's hard. Really hard. Ooh, so they, hard. they were the one team that you thought, all right, yeah, they, they could do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't see another team. You know, the Heat didn't get better enough 
to, to, to get over the hump. The, the Sixers are making some moves. They'll be competitive, but still not on the level of the Lakers. Mm. Uh, the Rockets, they, they don't have a direction. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing. But, um, but anyway, that was, uh, that was fun on Saturday to get some, some free agent movement going yeah. on. Of course, I had one buddy in my, uh, my group chat say, all right, guys, it's college football day. No NBA talk. But college football, what we had was still good on Saturday. I'm still a little salty because my App State Mountaineers lost to uh, Coastal Carolina. But Coastal Carolina, undefeated putting together a, a really nice season representing the, the Sun Belt, but it was a tough loss for, uh, for my boys. But the, uh, the, the big storyline for me coming out of the, the, the college football weekend, you know, the COVID continues to hang over our, our heads, uh, but it seems like college football is getting hit the most with it. We saw all the delays in the start of the season. We've seen tons of, you know, schedule changes and postponements and all that sort of thing. Um, like I said last week, not having the fans, I think affects college football even more than it affects the NFL. Um, and then we saw right before the, the games kicked off Clemson, Florida state postponed slash maybe canceled. We'll see if they're able to, to reschedule that game in December. Uh, now there's been some back and forth, you know, Dabo was pretty upset, felt like Florida state's administration, you know, didn't want to play and, and kind of, you know, didn't necessarily follow the guy. They Clemson felt like they followed the guidelines, felt like they should have played Florida state disagreed on that. And, and now Norville has been out the head coach of Florida state kind of combating what Dabo has said. So it's been, it's just kind of intriguing to me. And, and it just goes back to how I felt throughout kind of this whole COVID situation. I never understand the rules across the board. It doesn't always add up. It never makes sense. Um, I still can't figure out why refs wear masks, but, and coaches do, and then players don't and across the board, there's so many just things that don't add up. Um, and so here's another example of that. Clemson had a guy test positive late in the week, but he did it early in the week. He seemed to be getting better from a health standpoint, but earlier in the week he had symptoms when he tested negative. So I, I have no idea. I can't figure it out. Um, so I don't know if the right decision was to play or not to play, but I'm just intrigued by the back and forth. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what side to take here. I, you know, listen, uh, Dabo Sweeney sometimes pops off, and, and I think sometimes he needs to probably think before he says certain things. And mm-hmm. because we are in a pandemic, we, you know, when a player tests positive and been around other guys to, you know, and then you're going to play another team, and who's, you know, Mike Norvell, who's been tested positive on himself. So, you know, this is a serious thing. It ain't about somebody trying to – I don't believe what Dabo said. I don't think Florida State said, oh, we don't want to play. We're scared. No. I think they, they doctors are looking at this whole thing. Yeah, the, the guy tested early in the week, but he was positive. And, you know, now they're worried about maybe somebody is affected on Clemson's team and getting their guys positive now. Now they got the postponed game. So I, I can't say I, I don't blame them. I mean, because, you know, if other guys turn out to be positive on Clemson's team and then they – now it affects everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, it turns out that the doctors were the ones that were on both sides of the, of the table, whether they should play or not. And, you know, not the coaches. I don't, the coaches are not doctors. Coaches don't need to make those decisions. That, that There should be some type of protocol even with this, whether it comes down through – uh, uh, the, the, you know, somebody that's uh, that, uh, on a higher pay scale, uh, Swafford, you know, somebody that, that can make a decision when it comes to this, 
and say, hey, you know, y'all good to go and play or, you know, shut it down. I mean, so, you know, the commissioner needs to be more involved in these types of situations. And, you know, and we're going to continue to see these things. I mean, I mean it's been happening, as you mentioned, uh, throughout college football all season. I mean, look at all the games last week and the week before getting canceled. You know, I don't think they're going to make this game up. I mean, for Clemson, they're probably going to say, hey, you know what? We don't want to make it up now because we're going to try to win out and try to play Notre Dame for the ACC championship. That, all Dabo's thinking about is college football playoff. Dabo's mm-hmm. mad because, hey, listen, they, they already just, you know, Trevor Lawrence in two games and, you know, then they had a bye week. And now, you know, they haven't played since they still got that bad taste in their mouth after losing to Notre Dame and they right. dropped down in the polls. I mean, let's just be honest. Dabo's worried about college football playoffs and trying to get back on the field and build continuity. Right, we're back out there. Yeah, and getting guys ready to play. Yeah. Whereas I'm saying COVID is more important than the college football playoff, and that's what Dabo should have focused on instead of going out here and saying some some, some things that he said, you know, where you become people going to look at it and say, well, I think you're a little bit insensitive to this, what's happening. You know, that's just the way people going to perceive it. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, and that's that's fair as well, and – um yeah, it's hard to know we're on the outside looking in. Uh, it just, yeah, for me, it's just the, the controversy of it all and the questions and the confusion. And we just, that's that's this year. That's 20. Well, Mike Novell did respond and he said this, and I quote, football coaches are not doctors. Some of us might think we are, but there's a reason why medical advisors make decisions based on the information that is provided. Uh, That's what Norvell said on Monday. He says it's unfortunate uh, that opportunity has been delayed, but there's a reason people making those decisions have that responsibility. End quote. Yep. Yep. So I guess, yeah. Why that game in particular? Yeah. There's just, it just doesn't, again, it doesn't all add up for me. But but yeah, the people in leadership, they're the ones that got to make those, those calls and, um, and, and, for Clemson, now they just got to move on. They got to move on. Got to let it go, man. You just yeah. got to let it go and get ready for this week and see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's it's very concerning. The virus continues to you know affect people, and more and more people are are getting it, and it's uh, no, it's scary stuff. And I'm thankful that we're we're still getting sports each week, uh, despite all of that. And and so yeah, they've they've got to continue to follow protocols and 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 do do the best that they can. That, that's for sure. Yeah, that's it. Um, like like all of us. Um, all right, so uh, people can can follow you on on Twitter, Pastor of Pain, uh, to get more of your South Carolina thoughts. But for our podcast audience, let, let's just give them a little bit of an update because last week, of, of course, Muschamp was was fired, and and I guess from from our perspective here at, at unpacking it, I'm just you know we're always thinking about the the fans, and it's always interesting when a coach gets fired, you get even a split in the fan base. And I even saw this with the Gordon Hayward uh, signing with the Hornets. You know, everybody loves the Hornets, but people view the decision differently. Oh, we overpaid for Hayward. He's no good. They needed to, you know, wait, wait out and sign somebody next year, that kind of thing. South Carolina, similar situation. You're getting uh, some division. And so what have you made of that division? And, and what are some of your concerns as a former player, someone who loves South Carolina, but also had supported uh, Will Muschamp? You know, my wife tells me sometimes, you know, just take a step back before you get so emotional because I'm an emotional person. And so, you know, I had to refrain from some things that I wanted to say before I start typing 140 characters on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I'll say this. 
I, and I said this to Ray Tanner himself, um, I didn't agree with the decision to fire. The timing of it was bad. In a pandemic year, you got to give a coach a pass. You know, you got to give a coach more time. But, that, you know, that's that's all I'm done with now. So let's look going forward with the fans. So, and the players who opted out, you know, Horn and, and Izzy, the two cornerbacks, Izzy's been hurt, had a growing injury. And, you know, they opted out. There's a couple other guys, right? And and the fans really uh, started really attacking the players, which I've never believed that a fan should attack a player via social media. Oh, and yeah. because everybody sees it. And then when you get, you know, you know, these uh, websites and other people that, that, that cover the team and they're, they're retweeting. And, and so, you know, this has been ugly. This has been a hard week and a half, whatever it's been. You had Debo Samuel. You had Javon uh, Kinlaw. These guys, other NFL players that are start attacking the fans and said, you know, shaking my head, South Carolina fans, they're, they're terrible. And so, all this, so they started saying awful things. Now you had this back and forth and fans calling out the players and calling them quitters and this and that and the third. Uh-huh. And, 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 man, it's been so ugly. And, and, and former players that played at South Carolina call, you know, calling out players, which they should never do. Even if they don't agree with the decision, they should never use a, a platform of social media because now you start to cause divisiveness. And that's what's happened and, and, and going on right now. Uh, when you got NFL guys going at the fans, fans going at the players, former players going after each other, you know, it's been ugly. Mm. It's been really ugly, Bryson. So, you know, my thing is now that, you, you know, our, our goal is, and my goal is to, how do you heal? How do you take a program that wants to win so badly and change the culture? And, and there's some things, uh, unfortunately, in South Carolina, some deep stuff that needs to change. And, and it's deeper than coaches and players. There's some things that, they, you know, they need heart checks, if you will. And, and, and it starts there. You know, you have to, to cut the, the root out sometimes or the head of the snake off to get what you need to get done. And I think that's what, that's the issue here at South Carolina. Uh, they got great facilities. They got a great fan base who wants to win. They will support. They'll fill up the stadium when there's no COVID. That's true. And Rule Muschamp, I think, left the school in good shape. To, for the next guy to come in and build. Whereas when he got the job from Steve Spur, who, speaking of quitting, he quit during, mm-hmm. the, during the year and, and stopped recruiting a couple of years before that. So, you know, it's, it's just a long list of stuff. You can win here. You can be a seven to nine win type team pretty consistently. You get the right coach and maybe every five years, you know, play for an SEC championship. I think the fans will be ecstatic about stuff like that. But a lot of stuff needs to change because, you know, when I got people calling me that they're not even Gamecock fans or reaching out to me on social media saying, what's going on with your school? What's mm-hmm. happening when you got, because all this stuff has been blown up because of social media and, and when recruits and, and, and other coaches see this stuff from other teams, guess what? They used against you in recruiting. That's called, they're going to negative recruit when they say, why are you going to go to school there? You know, you got fans saying this about the former players. You got fans that booed Javon Kinlow, the first round pick who starts for the 49ers. They put him on the jumbo screen and they booed him. I mean, whether you like what he said or not, again, he only said it because when he was attacked. So a fan base has to take the high road. 
and, and, and don't attack an 18 to 22 year old young person. And, yeah. and, you know, because it's not going to turn out well for your fan base. And, and that's a concern right now at South Carolina. Because you want players to come. You want play, the next exactly. generation of players to come. So you don't want to be that. Yeah. That, you don't think Dabo's going to say, man, why you want to go to school to South Carolina? One, I mean, yeah. like, man, they, they, they videos out on, on social media. This is, this was a first round pick. A guy yeah. that was homeless, a guy that Will Muschamp helped get out the gutter. That that turned his life around and went the, the long route, the JUCO, came back to South Carolina and played great and got drafted in the first round, and your fan base booed him. Yeah, gosh, yeah, that's tough. It's man. not good. I, I hate, I hate that. Well, yeah, we, we talked more about that, and and uh, Corey's been uh, talking and going on interviews around the country talking about it as well. Mm. But uh, follow him on Twitter, Pastor of Pain. But, but let, let's wrap up the, the show today. We'll go back to the NFL and a game that we haven't talked about yet uh, very much at all, the, the Titans and the Ravens. And, and we'll do our, our segment that we call Unpack This. Quick thought about sports, faith, and life. And, and we send it out as a devotional through email Monday through Friday uh, as we take sports stories and relate them to the Bible. And, and so I want to unpack this game a little bit. And, and I guess first off, just from a, a game standpoint, Tennessee – they don't have the best defense, which when you think of Mike Brable, you think they're going to have this great defense, but the toughness that they have on offense represents Vrabel. And I mean, Derek Henry's as tough of a running back as there is as tough to take down as anybody. AJ Brown. I absolutely love the way he plays as a wide receiver. Uh, just, just incredible. And so both of those guys were, were highlighted for the Titans. And then when it comes to the Ravens, they're just off this year. They're just, they're, there's, there's some disconnect with them this year where they're not as effective, they're, they're not as dominant, they're not as electric. You know, the, the run game isn't as effective either because Mark Ingram's been out. Now I guess Ingram and J.K. Dobbins both might have the Rona, so, or at least on the list, um, and so maybe in contact or something. So that's an issue for them because they play Thursday against the Steelers, and I, I had initially thought, oh, maybe that would be a win for the Ravens. Um, they're going to they're gonna win, by the way. You still think they're going to win? Yeah, yeah. I said, I kind of lead toward that too. It's just like they, they need one and, and the Steelers are probably due for a loss, but, um, but anyway, the Ravens fell to the Titans. And, and so it was a tight game, went into overtime. Um, and then we'll, I want to talk about what Lamar Jackson said afterward, but, but what was your takeaway just from, from the outcome of that game? You know, it's just Baltimore just can't find themselves. I mean, you know, the, the tight end was so big in their offense and you talk about Ingram and Dobbins been out of the run game. Hasn't been effective. I mean, Lamar Jackson is spectacular. We know that. But he can only do so much when, he, again, we don't have the help around. We don't have that effective running game. You don't have those, the, the, the short, immediate routes and you know, those tight ends attacking you. Uh, that, that was a problem for, for teams to stop. Well, that hasn't been the case. And so now teams are teeing off, and they're struggling trying to find some rhythm in the offense. And it hasn't been there because of the running game. hasn't been there because they ran the ball so effectively and so well. Man, that, that play-action pass, those tight ends or those skinny posts by the receivers, you know, uh, you know, listen, uh, they're going to bounce back. I, I think when they get back healthy, they get the running game going, get back to that physicality, getting their defense. I know Marlon Humphrey t- uh, tweeted he's got to play better. You know, those guys, they got great corners. I mean, they normally got lockdown corner. They can shut you down, play man, and, you know, put eight in the box, stop the run. You know, we haven't seen that lately. So, excuse me, I think they're going to bounce back. I really do. That's why I like them to win on Turkey Day. I think they'll be eating a big drumstick off the turkey, yeah. uh, you know, giving Pittsburgh 
uh, of their loss. But how about this, though? I think the biggest thing from that that game, Des Bryant back in the league catching the NFL pass after I years. Love, I always liked Des Bryant. I had a soft spot for Bryant, so I'm glad he's I'm glad he's back in the mix. And uh, yeah, pretty crazy to be out of the league the way that he was for mm-hmm. a few years, even before that, being banged up and injured, and uh, for the Ravens to take a chance on him and and get him involved. Um, but they're they're going to need more than 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 Des, and and they're going to. Jackson has to continue to take a step further as a passer too, um, in order for him to have that sustained success. And, and I found this shocking today, but I read it that Lamar Jackson has thrown for 300 yards in a regular season only one time. So yeah, he hasn't played that long, but still in today's NFL, when quarterbacks are throwing, you know, 300 yards pretty easily, Justin Herbert's coming in and he's thrown 300 yards most games already. Um, and so Jackson just, you know, part of their offense, again, it's been built but, around the but, run. They haven't always needed to, yeah. but that, that says a lot that that's not as much of a threat for him. And that's not their skill set. I mean, that's not his, his skill set. I mean, they, they, you know, he's a quarterback. That's not going to be your, your consistent 300 yard passer. I mean, he's not going to be a 75%, 72% completion quarterback. I mean, he just plays the game a lot different. And so, you know, that's why I said to folks, if you're looking at, you know, quarterbacking the way that the, the typical, you know, drop back proto typical, that's not who he is. He's going to be able to give you uh, some other things, the bigger plays with his legs that, you know, Herbert and these other guys can't do normally. He's, right. he's making you change your defense based on how they normally play offense. So, you know, you know, listen, I mean, he, he you know, 186, you know, that's not nothing to, to call mom about, you know, one touchdown, one interception, but you know, they got just to get more effective and, and, and they did. Mark Andrews had 96. I talked about the tight ends. There's Ryan four catches. I mean, they got to, they got to get more people more involved. I mean, Ingram back, but they, they wasn't effective. Jackson 50 yards passing. So now you're talking about total offense, two thirty or So, I mean, you know, they just do things differently. They just got to get back to who they are. I mean, when you try to get out of, out of, you know, doing things where you're not comfortable, I think it's a problem. And, and so, you know, utilize the talent, the ability that the players have, and they got some highly talented players. You just got to utilize it, keep keep getting at it. I, I still like this team down the last five, six weeks. I think they're going to turn the corner, and they're going to be that team that may be a lower seed in the playoffs that you don't want to play. All right. All right. I'll let you stay on that, that Ravens bandwagon then. Um, I'm riding it, bro. That's, that's all right. And yeah, it's not that he has to throw for 300 yards, but if that, but there are some games where you're going to need that. I'm not saying that was necessarily the case with the Titans. I just was surprised to hear that, man, he's only thrown for 300 yards one time. Um, yet he was the MVP last year. So obviously he was doing something right last year. And legs, man. They, but you know, you're getting they, 80 yards in your legs. Well, we saw how effective that was for uh, Taysom Hill and the Saints. And he didn't come out, you know, throwing every down either. Right. So. Um, that, that, that's part of the deal. But, but here's the, the, the spiritual thought for us today and, and something to consider in our own lives based on what Lamar Jackson said during his press conference after the game and, and his thoughts on the game. He said, quote, it looked like that team wanted it more than us. They were playing physical. When we went up, I felt like we just took our foot off the gas, but we just have to keep it going for the team. And, and so that, you know, that's a big thing to admit when you look at across the, the field and you go, gosh, they, they wanted it more. They wanted it more than us. And it's hard to, to quantify that, but we, we know it was a tight matchup, went into overtime, could have gone either way. And maybe the Titans just had a little bit more heart, a little bit more effort, a little bit more energy 
to, to, to make the difference and get the win. And, and I thought that 14 yard touchdown catch and then run by AJ Brown pretty much summed that up too, because he just willed himself. His strength was able to get himself into the, into the end zone, despite three guys trying to take him down. And so you know, how this relates to us today is maybe thinking about this question. Do we truly want to win by loving God more than anything else? Or do we take our foot off the gas instead? And so is our desire for God evident by how hard we chase after him and how committed we are to his ways? Are defenders unable to take us down because our strength is in him and we remain steadfast by persevering into the the quote-unquote end zone? And so, you know, we've got to recognize this first, that our efforts, you know, just trying hard and, and just kind of willing in our own strength, you know, that doesn't save us. Only our faith in Jesus and, and his death and resurrection uh, is what saves us. But, but, but based on that, and, and so uh, because of that, the grace that we have, the love that we have be, because of Jesus, are we responding with all of our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength in our love and pursuit of him? Or are we holding back, letting off the gas, and, and maybe demonstrating that we don't want him as much as other things? And, and so, you know, I, I think we, we look at, you know, the, the command where it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being. And so, you know, we look at the football field and, you know, players have to give their all. And it's like, all right, who's going to leave it all out of the field? And, and we, you know, we think about those kind of you know, somewhat cliches, but those sayings out there, uh, you can see the team that, wow, this team, just, they, they want to win more than anything. And so when people look at our lives and we look into our own hearts, is that, is that representative of our, our love for God, where we are sold out, we're all in, we're, we're willing to give whatever it takes to serve him, to love him, to follow him, to seek him. Because uh, Psalm 119.2 says, blessed and favored by God are those who keep his testimonies and who consistently seek him and long for him with all their heart. Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And, and so today, my, my encouragement to all of us is that we'll experience victory as we seek to know him, love him, and obey him without taking our foot off the gas. So let's keep going. Let's keep persevering. Let's keep seeking him. And, and let's not take our foot off the gas. So that's, that's my unpack this today. Uh, Corey, any final thoughts as we, we wrap things up today? That's powerful. Uh, that's very powerful. And, uh, you know, Will Muschamp had a saying, all gas, no brakes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing, you know, I was sitting here and the scripture that came into my spirit when you was talking was where your treasure is there, you'll find your heart also. You know, we can say we love God. We can say we're believers or Christians. Uh but there have to be evidence. There have to be uh, action, if you will. Love is not just a feeling. Love is about action. We can say we love our wives. We can say we, we love our children or others. But, but what are we doing? What, 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 what are we doing to show them? Not just about lip service, but it's an act of doing. And Chasing after God is just that. He said that they will know you by the way 
you love. They'll know you that you are a child of God, that you are a disciple of God, that you are a follower of the Most High by the way you love, by the way we keep his commandments. We, my family was just studying this last week that, that sin should not be a consistent in our lives. Shall we go on to continue in sin because of grace? The Bible says absolutely not. That's what Paul said. No, we have grace, but we don't just continue in sin. We have to live a lifestyle. Our treasure should be Jesus, serving him, serving others, loving him, loving others as we love ourselves. And in a time of pandemic, in a time of this election, all this craziness that's going on in the world, I challenge every believer, everyone that says that they're a child of God, don't just post it on your Facebook or your Twitter, your Instagram. Don't let it be just in your in your bio that you have followed Jesus and a loving husband, but it should be by, people should know that how you do, how your action is, how you play the game called life, the Christian walk. They will identify who you are because you're going to be different. And I try to live that way in my life today, that not just by what I say on here or, or on my, my, you know, Facebook lives, but live it. Right. And that's what, you, that's what you're saying. You know, I got to want, I want to know that. Listen to this. Paul said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, even to the point of death. Mm. That's playing the game, man. That's saying, hey, man, put me in the game, coach. I'm ready to play, right? I want to know Jesus Christ that much, even that I want to experience the things that he experienced. Paul was a bad man. I mean, wow. You know, so, you know, it's just our heart has to be wanting to chase him because if we're real with ourselves, a lot of times, and I, I'll say, man, my life says these things are important to me. Mm. My my action says these things are important to me. I just pray to all of us, our life will point to Jesus because people are watching. When we say we're Christian, they are watching, and hopefully, I play on the field called life. And we can all, at the end of the game, echo what Paul said: "I have fought the fight. I have finished the race." He put up the good fight. He finished the race. And I, and I, I hope that we can say those same things. And now. There's a crown. There's a there's a Super Bowl trophy that's prepared for you, like the Apostle Paul. Man, to to want yeah to want him more than anything else. I want I want to know him <laughs> more than anything else. I want to love him more than anything Woo! else. And it's hard, and, Bryce. It's hard at times because when we're going through battles and we're going, you know, busyness, I mean, you know, things are happening. People are furloughed, lost jobs, don't know what's going to happen. You know, so it's easy for us to feel the, the, the pain of the flesh. And it's easy for us to jump in that spirit of carnality and worry and fear. And, you know, it's easy to do that. And the whole time God is just saying to us, be still and know that I'm God. Hmm. You know, and, it's, and, and that's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do. But if we just seek after him, you know, like the woman with the issue of blood who was bleeding all of those years and weak, tired, and tried every doctor, but she continued to seek after Jesus when he, she found out he was coming through and she fought through multitude of crowds, all these people just to be able to touch is him. That's the attitude we should have, that the woman with the issue of blood. She fought through whatever mess, whatever crowds, through tiredness, through sickness, through pain, through weakness, whatever the scenario, she knew if I could just touch Jesus, I will be made whole. She was healed. She was healed. She was healed. Just touched his uh, his cloak or whatever he was wearing.
Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, what a what a perfect example to the the play that I was kind of thinking about with AJ Brown. He had three guys hanging on him. You know, he made guys miss, and he kept he kept fighting to get to the end zone, mm. and 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 hung on and persevered, and um, because he wanted to get into that end zone. Yeah. And so you know, Lamar Jackson noticed. Hey, they seem to want it more. They seem to want it more. Mm. And so, is that what we'd say about ourselves? Is that what people would say about us? That man, we. Man, they just want it. They 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 want Jesus. Bryce, that Corey, man, they want Jesus. They want Jesus more than anything. Yeah. And so as, as we wrap things up, we we want you to know Jesus more than we want you to like our Facebook page or or whatever. So Absolutely. we uh we 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 want God to get all the the glory and honor mm-hmm. and love bringing this podcast to you today. Uh, Corey, awesome conversation. And and as we wrap things up. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. And so I hope that is true for you as well. Hope you'll join us as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Corey, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Everyone else, have a great Thanksgiving. I've already kind of got mine out of the way, but I got another (laughs) one coming on on Friday, a little bonus uh, with my wife's family. So We'll, uh, we'll have some fun, but uh, have a great week. Enjoy the games on Thursday as well. We'll recap those and the rest of the, uh, the NFL and sports weekend next Monday right here on the Unpacking It podcast.